Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast Live. I am your host, Chris Patrick. With me this evening is Michael Benjamin and AZ Tallman. How you doing, fellas? What up? What up? What's going on, fellas? What's going on, guys? Man, I'm tired, but happy to be here. It is Wednesday, September 21st. 2022 wow we got a lot to talk about a lot of breaking news today around the phoenix suns organization and the mercury i am gonna be a bit be today it appears i don't know if it's my computer or my internet connection uh so please bear with us and uh hopefully we can lean on uh tallman and michael benjamin here to help us out and steer in the ship we're going to be talking Ross Harper and the Suns, like I said, Herm Edwards out at ASU, and Cardinals Week 3 action against the Rams heating up. And now, uh, Tallman, welcome back. Do you remember the 21st night in September? <laughs> you know how many times I heard that on the radio today? You loved it. Don't lie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we're going to remember it now. <laughs> I was jamming out to it. Oh, there you go. Hey, it's a good song. Earth, wind, and fire, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so the news of this was obviously expected coming off of last week when the news broke that the investigation was completed. Robert Sarver was out, and PayPal even came out a couple days after and said they would not renew their sponsorship if Robert Sarver was still a part of that ownership group. So I'm not too shocked. Mike, What were you surprised by this at all? No, I'm not surprised. Um, I kind of am surprised how quick everything happened, though. You know, the reports came out, and I think two days later was when PayPal said, if he's here, we will not be. And then John Najafi came out and basically said, we're not going to put up with this BS either. So the wheels started turning quickly. And I'm sure there's a lot that you guys kind of on your mind and what you're feeling in regards to Robert Sarver's specific letter that he put out today. Uh, I definitely feel some type of way about it and we'll get into that, but I'm not surprised. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that we're going in this direction. Um, so we'll see kind of where the rest of the chips fall, but I wonder how long it's going to take before anybody really, you know, takes the bait to buy this team because I know that there's been a lot of interest shown by guys like Bob Iger. I think, I'm not sure if he's still the CEO for Disney, um, but then some other ramblings of, you know, other interested parties. So it could really just be a matter of a couple of weeks at this point before the team is sold. So we will see. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting. I think that is a desirable team in a good place. You know, the Phoenix desert is warm. It's a nice place to be. It seems like there's a strong consensus out there that this is a desirable location for these potential owners to come in and buy this team. And with the right ownership could be a good destination for high profile free agents like we've always tried to court and try to get to come here to the valley, but have always come short or, you know, not been able to until recently. You know, we got Chris Paul, some other I mean, I think that's about it, actually, when it comes to free agents. But we'll have to see what comes down. Mike, we talked about this a lot on Past the Outlet the last 
uh, time we uh, did a live stream here on Valley Sports Plug. Uh, so, Cody, I'm curious to know your opinions on the whole Sarver saga since the news broke last week and him getting uh, now the announcement that he's selling the team. Well, I'm with Mike. You know, I was shocked that it happened so quick. Um, I thought he was going to go down swinging just uh, just from his character and um, all the stuff they detailed about him. I thought he was going to be a little bit a little bit more stubborn with it. And I thought it was going to take a little bit of a little bit of forcing to get him to realize, hey, sell it before you lose a bunch of money. Um, I think it's good, though. It's absolutely outstanding for the franchise, because, I mean, if he stayed, if he came back a year after that or uh, after that year suspension, they're not going to get anyone that's going to want to play for him. Um, I think it's going to be great going forward. And like you were saying, I mean, it's that French, it's going to set a record. It's going to sell for so much damn money. It's going to be amazing. They just built that brand new practice facility up in Paradise Valley. They just renovated uh, the whole arena. Uh, they just, they've had the best record in the NBA last year, went to the finals the year before. I mean, who doesn't want to buy this team and have immediate success, you know? So it's going to be interesting what it sells for. And um, it seems like he's been playing the victim a lot, especially that was the first thing I kind of thought when that letter came out, he's playing the victim here. Um, a victim that's going to get a very, very big payday because <laughs> uh, what he owns 35% of the team, the last team that sold was the Clippers, right? I believe so. Yeah. In 2014, I believe so. They, yeah. When they forced out the other guy, what was it? Sterling. Yeah. Donald Sterling. Yeah. And he sold that team for 2 billion. So imagine the price tag that this team's going to fetch. It could be two, two and a half billion. It could be over three billion dollars. And if you own thirty-five percent of that team and it sells for three billion dollars, you're walking away with one billion dollars. So um, we can feel sad for him, which I don't think anybody does. I think we're ecstatic. Uh, but at the same time, he's going to walk away with uh, pockets full of cash. Yeah, and I've yeah. seen a lot of people point that out that he's really going to be getting a payday. Mike, you looked like you had something to say there. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he just sells his shares or it's going to be a, a complete overturn of the franchise in its entirety and have his ownership group sell. Cause that's when you're going to see that, you know, $3 billion price tag come along with it. I mean, you're right, Cody, he's still going to see a nice uh, payday at the end of it, which is kind of disappointing with everything that's happened. It's almost kind of like he has uh, the silver lining you know, at the end of the day, I wish there was some way that, you know, part of the, you know, sale had to go to, you know, a certain charity or organization for victims of similar situations that happened within the organization. But of, of course, that's not going to happen. And it's not, and Robert Sarver is not going to give any money to anybody either, because exactly like you said, Cody, he's just seems so disingenuous within his letter that he came out with. He didn't even apologize. You know, you can't even throw in a quick, like, I'm sorry how some of my actions affected others. There was so much backtracking from the initial reports where he basically came out and said, no, I didn't do it. And then, he, well, then it came out that he did, but yeah, just never said sorry. And one of the key things, and I'm going to find it here in the letter here shortly, but one of the key things that I saw was basically how he stated, you know, even after all of these incredible things that I've done for this city and this franchise in today's cancel culture, 
I guess you can't come back and do anything right. So it's almost like a screw you to everybody where it's like, look at all these great things that I did, but you don't want to um, admit to it. No, Robert, because all of the negativity and all the BS and bad things that you did absolutely outweighs everything. So it, it, the guy still just doesn't get it, man. And he needs to go. So hopefully it's done before the season starts because I don't want to have to be worrying about who's going to take over this team ownership-wise, you know, if it comes down to the end of the year and we still don't have a true, you know, transition of power, I guess if you could say. Yeah, well, he's still suspended, though. So regardless, he's not going to be involved in day-to-day operations. But you know this is going to take some time. You know, you're dealing with lawyers. You're dealing with millions and millions of dollars. The whole the, uh, the, the league has to approve it, whoever the buyer is. So it's going to take some time. I mean, I wish it could happen tomorrow so that, you know, we can move on and not have distractions for the season. But um, it's it's that's a lot of money. That's a big sale. That's a huge ask. So there's going to be a lot of fine tune, fine tuning, um, a lot of details that go into it. But I'm curious to see who it's going to be, who, as in who's going to buy it. That's going to be interesting. Maybe yeah, my money's on John Najafi. You think so? I thought he came out and Bob Iger is the CEO of Disney, or he was at one point. I thought John Najafi came out and said that he wasn't interested in purchasing the majority ownership. But obviously, with everything that's happening, it could be different, you know, within a couple of days, just like everything that's been happening mm. with the situation. So I wouldn't mind it if yeah. Najafi stepped in and took over. At least it seems highly motivated. And if he can uh, keep his hands to himself and uh, not say inappropriate things, we're already a step in the right direction and uh better over Sarver. But I like what you brought up there, Mike, about um Sarver and his, what was it? How did you put it? Uh, you know, I do this, man. I lose my train of thought and I go on these rambling tangents. But just the fact that like he was playing it off as like, oh, I've made some mistakes and everybody's made mistakes. Um, but no, we, we, people make mistakes, like they get in a car accident or on a, you know, something bad, but not to the point of repeated offenses where you've been checked, you've been corrected and you keep making the same mistakes over again. It's like, you know, fool me once and that type of thing. I'm with you guys though. I'm going to be very curious. It's what do you say? He only owns 35% of, of the team. Yeah. It's only 35%. And that's the majority. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if someone who already has a minority share like a job Najafi or someone else just scoops in to secure the rest of that, but it could be, could be a third party outsider. What do you, what I I'll pass it to whoever wants to, to take it up here, but I was just thinking about this today in all these stories as they continue to break. And obviously these players uh, like LeBron James, Chris Paul, other people are now coming out or had come out and said that the league's punishment fell short, which kind of forced this social pressure on Robert Sarver to sell the team. And so they got what they wanted ultimately. And I just, I guess what my question here is, is we've known about the, all of the same stuff since last November why did we wait? Why did these people or why did anybody wait to put this pressure on Robert Sarver? Why did we wait for the league to have to do it? Why didn't we just put that social pressure on him back in November? Cody, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. 
Um, I think it was all it was all alleged until that report was released, and then you know if the report wasn't released, then the NBA could sit there and say, hey, we're going to suspend him for a year, fine him 10 million because we think he did this stuff and then not share that report to anybody. And and we would know for sure whether this stuff actually happened or not. So that report, I think, stirred the pot and caused but it. You could, you could argue though, like it's very similar. I mean, this isn't a legal matter. He's not, he hadn't been sued. He didn't pay yeah, a settlement. Not. It's just, He's not going to jail. It's he just findings of a third-party investigation. Yeah, no, I get yeah. what you're saying. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Like someone could say this. Saying. Like, but I think it, it it had to wait until it was, because, yeah, people were upset about it. I mean, you had all all these former employees, current employees, coming out and saying about it. But when that report finally came out, and it was an official report, and you had the sponsors backing out. I mean, I think the the mayor said something too. And then all these players started going off. So it's, I don't know. I think the report really was like, hey, here's the stuff. And I think the NBA did that on purpose to force Sarber to get that kind of um, social pressure to, you know, sell the team and get out. So mm-hmm. I think we had to wait. We had to wait for that report. And it was good thing they released that report. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's something Mike and I talked about. Right, exactly. A whole year later and a lot of the same stuff that was in the original Baxter Holmes story. And so I imagine these interviews went a lot like, hey, we just want to confirm. Did you say this to Baxter Holmes? Yes, I said that to Baxter Holmes and just repeated the same story, made sure they matched up. And then they were like, yeah, these stories match, these stories match, these stories match. And then it's an official report at that point. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how I don't know. Baxter Holmes credibility as a journalist or a reporter, but I know it was a big fat article that he put a lot of time into for ESPN, which is the biggest sports publication in the world, I think. Uh, but Mike, yeah, we like I was about to say that we, we talked about this on past the outlet a little bit. What was what is your kind of thoughts on it here now with this news and everything that's kind of transpired? I think to answer your question, it could come to um the phrase and it, it might not work exactly within it but uh what is it fool me once shame on me fool me twice shame on you in regards to okay i hear an initial report and i have thoughts about it but i might need to hear it from somebody else to make sure that it really is something that i'm gonna have a a, a true full opinion about and then voice that opinion i think it can also go to another aspect that you said, Chris, well, how come people weren't stepping out from that initial report and kind of trying to force Sarver's hand back then? You know, John Najafi bringing Colin Kaepernick to those games as a physical presence in Phoenix could be kind of the initial start of that. You know what I'm saying? Without actually coming out and making a statement, basically saying, here's Colin Kaepernick, this social justice uh, symbol, you know, ever since he took the knee and everything that's been going on and the reports, here's this guy who is on our side, who is going to be kind of a symbol to say, Hey, we stand in solidarity for those who have been wronged and we don't approve with Sarver's actions. Obviously you take it how you see it. Nobody said anything really, but that could have been a start, you know? Um, I did want to go back to 
the letter or the statement that Sarver brought out today, and it speaks to what I talked about a little bit earlier. This was from the statement. He said, as a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible, that whatever good I have done or could still do is outweighed by things I have said in the past. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. I mean, oh my goodness, dude. That's... I I don't even know where to begin in regards to how does he really feel, you know, because that's a statement that's basically making you be the victim, right? I thought that this uh, punishment that was coming down was going to help me become a better man and we could turn a new leaf and everybody will think it's fine and dandy. Well, Robert, the first reports of inappropriate conduct came back in 2004 when you were saying the N-word. And then it happened again in 2021. That's 17 years of the same stuff that you haven't learned about. So how do you think an extra year is going to really change the person that you are as a core, to your core? You know, if somebody already told you that it wasn't okay and you weren't able to figure it out with within almost two decades, the statement is from a man who doesn't think that he's really done wrong and is just he doesn't get it man that's what it comes down to he just doesn't understand and i don't think he's ever will yeah i think it yeah. it seems like that's been a, a pattern for him like he just he someone tells him no robert you can't do that and he says oh okay i'm sorry i'm sorry and he does it again so he figured oh i'll take my year off i'll pay my 10 million dollars and i'll say i'm sorry and then i'll come back and just be robert sarver still and never change so when you see a pattern of behavior like that, even up to the very last days when he's selling the team, I mean, good riddance, good riddance. I think this is what the, a lot of Suns fans have wanted for a long time is to, to have Robert Sarver sell the team. But uh, doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet. We could get a great owner. I mean, Steve Ballmer was the last person to purchase an NBA team and bought the Clippers and, I think he's done them pretty well that he's kind of turned them into a contender um, here and there. There, would you, Mike, you still consider the Clippers a contender in the current environment? Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Oh yeah. And now they got John Wall. I mean, as long as he can stay healthy and contribute, he doesn't have to be the guy, but yeah, they're still contenders. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think he came in, he got the Lob City team going, and then since then, there's been constant momentum. The Clippers used to be a joke. Cody, I don't know if you, you remember anything about the Clippers back in the day, but uh, it was not not pretty. But I don't want to beat this Robert Sarver story to death. We, can, we could go on for a while, but one last question I did want to bring up or topic I wanted to ask you guys about, see if you saw anything about this. I saw some wild articles popping up on my phone the last couple weeks one was saying uh chris paul to the lakers is almost finalized and another one say looking like the suns aren't done making moves yet before the season starts and i know jay crowder out of phoenix because he's been making that pretty subliminally well known on uh his social media accounts 
what do you what have you guys seen any of that what do you, what do you make of it uh, so i've heard chris about paul the, Jay the crowder lakers. stuff mm. the chris paul thing to the lakers i mean if he wants to go there dude good luck i mean it will be the death of your career you ain't gonna win shit there that's for sure especially with that roster good luck man if if chris paul ha- wants to have any kind of chance for nba final success again he has to stay here and finish his career here especially with what is being built around him los angeles is just where you go to die and your end of your career because they don't know how to put a team together with lebron man especially at the end of his career it seems like they're just relying on guys who were good five six years ago and don't know how to play together and chris paul's going to do that you get all those guys rallied up He's going to be able to control Pat Bev? Good luck. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, that sounds no like way. a death sentence. Oh, I, did, I didn't hear any of that, though. That's news to me, the Chris Paul thing. Um, I heard a lot of noise around um, them trying to get Bogdanovich from the Jazz. Yeah. I Donovan, wait, what? I'd love to get I'd love to get Bogdanovich. Um, I think he's a good shooter. He can stretch the floor. He'd be another good piece off of the bench. Um, I'd love to get Jordan Clarkson in here. That's why I was hoping we were going to be able to back in the day when all the DeAndre Ayton stuff was still kind of shifting around. I was hoping we were able to going to do some kind of three team trade where we would get Durant and Jordan Clarkson, maybe Bogdanovich. We were going to lose a good amount of our assets, but bringing in guys like that is going to help bolster your bench. But I don't. The Suns aren't going to be done. I don't know if it's before the season. The only move I could really see happening is Jay Crowder, just with the disgruntledness that has been coming from him. Um, and I don't think they want to put up with that anymore, which is fine. I mean, he did what he needed to while he was here. That's great. That's dandy. Let's get somebody else in. If you don't want to be a part of this, that's fine. There's the door. But. I think there's going to be some key moves a little bit farther along into the season. And I don't know if it's going to stretch all the way down towards the trade deadline might happen a little bit sooner, maybe towards the end of this year, like December, maybe first of the year, but yeah, this team isn't finished. And I I feel like James Jones is smart enough and knows that you can't run it back, man. Like we absolutely fell apart in that second round series and the Dallas Mavericks only got better. The Warriors are champions. Again, the West is continuing to get better. You can't run it back with the same squad and accept uh, better results. I mean, you can hope for it, but that would mean that I have to hope Deandre Ayton scores 23 and 14 boards a night. Am I going to get that from him? I don't know. Do you guys think that's going to happen next year? No, <laughs> I doubt it. No, I mean, he's not, hasn't been trending in that direction. And that's why we didn't want to pay him max money and why he had to go to free agency and why the Indiana Pacers had to call our bluff. And we're not just going to let him walk. So we signed him. So I totally agree. There's moves coming down the line. There might be those back channel conversations with Jay Crowder or whoever else saying, hey, wait till the trade deadline. Let us, you know, be able to work with DeAndre A 
didn't work out these other trades. I've also heard these long shot rumors of DeAndre Ayton for Anthony Davis in some kind of crazy, probably Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton for Anthony Davis. But I don't want Mr. Glass Anthony Davis. We've talked so much shit about that guy, and I will continue to talk shit about that guy. I don't want him on my team. But it, it, I'm again, I'm with you. If these guys don't want to be on the team, they can they can go. I'm glad Devin Booker is here and he wants to be on this team. And so running into a wall, running it back, if it will, I just, I don't know. Where'd, where'd Tallman go? I don't know. Potty break, maybe? Oh, no. no sorry, guys. My, just oh. my, dog just, my dog just pulled a B&E into my uh, office. <laughs> oh, no. Benny be wildin'. Benny be wildin'. What's new, man? What's Benny, new? Yeah, exactly. Sorry if you heard that. I apologize. Oh, you're good. I'm sure I didn't hear it, but worst things have happened on this podcast, so we'll be we'll be just fine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I man, Cody, I didn't I didn't hear that, but what I did hear is that Arizona State and Herm Edwards decided to part ways after their loss this week. Uh, it was their third loss in a row to start their season. So Herm Edwards out as the coach at ASU. I think uh, it's maybe too late like why did they wait so long if all this investigation stuff is going on all this nonsense this ter- terrible football these players leaving and transferring out Tallman, did you hear about that like i don't know why i'm asking you of course you heard about that but what do you think of oh, yeah. and uh asu parting ways oh um i think well it was it was expected. Um, I mean, if you're going to go and, and as a, a school, ASU, if you're going to pay a team that's like the sixth ranked team in their division and over there, I don't know what it's called, Eastern Michigan. Um, if you're going to pay them $1.5 million to come and play in your stadium at home to kick your ass and embarrass you in front of your own fans, it doesn't matter who the coach is, you know, you're, you're, you're out of there. And I think the best part about it was he might've gotten the most savage firing ever. Granted, this is just speculation. I'm sure you guys have seen the reports, but um, they're showing the, uh, him after the game, walking off the field and he was met in the end zone by, I think it was the athletic director. And it appeared that, you know, they exchanged something, shook hands and, everyone's saying that he basically got fired on the field after the game. It's like leaving your nine to five and your boss meets you in the parking lot before you get in your car. And he goes, Hey, you suck so bad today. Don't even come back tomorrow. You know? So I think it, it was, he had to get fired. Um, I mean, there's rumors going around that coaches below him were given the other teams that are playing their playbooks and, and just a bunch of crap. The organization is, is it's bad. But he had to go. They need there need to be a change, and unfortunately, everything that he did is is really just hurting the players. Um, it's hurting those players and and everything. So um, it's good that he's gone. I mean, it was a surprise hiring to begin with, and um, I think we yeah. all got hyped up when it came. Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm on the train. You know, let's you know let's do this. But fortunately, his uh his train fell off the tracks. Um, and even then, even if he finished the season. Uh, he wasn't going to be their coach next year either. So um, I'm not surprised it happened. Um, but, I mean, you can't 
you can't get whooped like that. I mean, there were th- there were three touchdown favorites going into that game against Eastern Michigan. They paid them one point five million dollars to kick their ass at home. I mean, you're not surviving that. So I'm not surprised that he was pictured at uh, on Monday. He was flying coach back to San Jose out of Sky Harbor Monday morning. There's a bunch of pictures on social media. So I feel bad for the guy, but I don't. Oh, man. You know he's going to end up on whatever college football TV thing. He, he's going to – He's going back to TV. Yeah. He's going to be fine. But um, it was well-deserved, a well-deserved firing. And, unfortunately, that program has got a big uphill battle. I mean, you're not going to be able to find a long-term coach until they figure out what happens with that whole investigation um, during the COVID, the, the dead period. So um, I don't think we're going to see a good ASU football team for the next couple of years, unfortunately. Yeah, it's hard to say. Oh. I, I, tough, tough. Chris, you chopping in and out over there, boy. I know, man. I'm trying to decide if it's even worth having the camera on for the sake of audio or if it's uh if it's just a losing battle all around. I could be Madison Bumgarner. That's kind of how I feel right now. I kind of feel like that's how I'm looking at my computer right now. Hey, he started off okay today. I think the last update I saw we were winning 2 to 0 against the Dodgers. Finally, he's doing oh, something. Really? But uh, sorry, I don't want to change the subject. So, um They've already stated that Sean Aguano, who's the running backs coach, uh, is going to be the interim head coach. He's actually a, a Valley guy. He was uh, a former head coach over at Chandler High School for a number of years. So nice. it will be interesting to see kind of how he fits in the mold, but I don't think he's going to be the long-term solution. It's... Cody, it goes back to what you were saying, right? At first, with that Herm Edwards hiring, I, I felt like it was kind of a splash play to bring in somebody with you know, a bigger name that you can build around, maybe can help with recruiting. And it just it never panned out. I think we had really one good year, and everything else fell to the wayside, and we could just never get over the hump. Did we even win any bold games with Herm Edwards? Do you guys know that? I don't, I don't remember. I think by that time, I think, um, <laughs> I think last time Ben Miller was on the podcast, he said that they didn't win any bowl games under Hunter Edwards. I think I specifically remember that, but let yeah, us know in the comments right. if it's not true. That sounds lost, right. It's tough. Lost so, they lost last year. So it just never came out to fruition with him. And I did see some other reports about people kind of being a little bit of a upset that Herm Edwards didn't really care for NCAA regulations and would just kind of be like, oh, yeah, well, this kid wants to take a picture with me. Um, uh, yeah, we could do it. Where they almost had to have a babysitter around him to be like, no, Herm, you can't take a picture with this five-star recruit. It's not allowed. You're going to get a sanction. So I wonder. I wonder what you know. This investigation and what's going to come down from that as well. I think the last thing I have to say about it too is what a bad position this puts ASU um, at with the potential reshuffling of the Pac-12 and some of these schools already committed to leave. 
in the next couple of years, you're putting yourselves behind everybody else. You're going to have to try and go on another coaching search again. And you really need to strengthen your core and your recruiting classes going into whatever happens next, whether it changes back to the Pac-10, Pac-8, you go to the Mountain West. I don't know, but whatever happens and whatever transition happens, you're hoping that you can be one of the best schools in the in top four especially within you know basketball and football because those are your money makers and if you're relevant within those you can get a good footing for wherever you end up going but now you have to do all this research again and there's going to be a lot of kids even here on the west coast who might not even look to any of those pac 12 schools uh in regards to going to go play athletics because of all the unknowns. Yeah. So, man, it's going to be a struggle. It's really going to be a struggle for ASU, I feel, the next couple of years. It depends who they bring in. Maybe they can bring in Urban Meyer. I know they've been talking about him going to Oof. Nebraska possibly. But but then again, the last time we hired somebody because of their name, it panned out like this. So maybe that's not the route you want to go. Yeah. Exactly. Do you guys see their uh... – their next three games for ASU. I heard they're tough. They're all ranked opponents, right? Yeah. Utah on Saturday, which historically we get our ass kicked by Utah, but Utah is also ranked 13. Then we play number seven USC the week after, and then number 18 Washington the week after that. And then I, I heard, I was listening to 98.7, and they brought up a stat. I don't remember the exact year, but the last time ASU went one and five, or one in six was during the World War II era. Like they've never they've never started that bad in the last sixty years. So, um, oh, so longer no. than longer than sixty years. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough sled. I don't think they're gonna win any of those games. I bet you they go one in five. Um, and then talking about who, what was the guy's name? That's the the interim co- coach, Mike. Uh, Sean Aguano. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is this is how young uh john gay maduro's wife is that was her government teacher in high school <laughs> and that's that's where i learned his name i was like uh they started out the show and gay was just going off yeah that's 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 my wife's that's my wife's government teacher he's a good teacher so yeah i thought that was a little that, was, that in there. i bet that was a pretty good gamble gamble used to that was pretty good oh you like that <laughs> I when like Gambo would roll up and pick her, pick her up from high school, her senior oh, year, no. he just pull up. <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. No, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just what I wanted to say on it is like you guys, you guys really said it all. But it's tough because it does put the put ASU way behind. Not only for all those reasons you pointed out, but how are how are we going to build a team from here? The next coach has to pretty much build the team from the ground up because a ton of kids already transferred out these other players that were recruited and came to the school came here because of herm edwards potentially sitting in their living room trying to get him come to come here unless they're walk-ons so oh boy um it's going to be interesting to see a lot changing in the valley got new new owners for the suns potentially new coach at asu but we don't have to worry about any of that uh, for a while those next three games though uh should be i was looking at this the schedule there when you said that tallman and uh th- those seem to be the last three ranked opponents at least at the 
at the present moment that we're facing. So ho- hopefully, silver lining, maybe they can build some momentum at the end of the season, win some games, crush U of A, uh, win the Territorial say. Cup. and uh, As long as they win that game, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> we can lose the rest of the games this year as yeah. long as we win the Territorial Cup. If, if you ask Ben, Oof. though, he probably thinks it's not in uh, ASU's favor, unfortunately. Yeah, I did. I was texting with Ben and I asked, I was asking for his permission to share this, but I'm just going to do it anyway and ask for forgiveness later. Uh, he said in, in regards to this topic, uh, this is a chance for ASU to live up to its number one in innovation for ones with a coaching hire. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. Yeah, wow. it was really good. And on a, on a more serious note, he said that we need a young coach to grow with the program who cares about uh, in-state recruiting. So Ben is uh, sounds like hoping for a grassroots movement, wanting to get the local talent to stay local and go to ASU and not to these California schools and these Utah schools. <clears throat> get out of here. If you're going to hold the title for eight years, you got to be innovative in all facets. So I'm 100% with Ben on this one. We got to figure it out. <laughs> Keep the homegrown talent here, man. I mean, there's been plenty of guys who have ended up going other places. I mean, one of the most recent ones I could say is Spencer Rattler, but things aren't looking too hot for him right now. But I know how highly recruited he was out of Pinnacle. So keep him home, man. Keep him home. Yeah, in Texas, I forgot they go to Texas too. Where where else do they go? They go to do they go to Oregon? Where else do, does the local talent like to go to to leave town? UCLA. I don't know how you do that though. Cause I don't know how you do that though. Cause I, I know there are just like those kids. I mean, there were kids that I went to high school with who was like, no matter what you said to them, they're like, no, I just need to get out of town. I'm going somewhere else. Like it doesn't matter where it's, I'm not going to ASU cause I got to get away from this city. So I guess maybe that's like not the normal. I don't know. I, Who's to say? I also, I also think like the unfortunate part about specifically football here is it's not as like it's not as grandiose as as it is in other places obviously like texas man they shut down cities on friday nights so everybody can go to the games that's still a thing that have you do. seen those have you seen those high school stadiums they look like freaking coliseums it's crazy yeah i mean they're probably the same size as uh, freaking sun devil stadium man you know, yeah, even yeah. if you go to LA, like USC and UCLA, it's just like it's a jam-packed house there. In Tucson, they make a TV show? what was that? I didn't really hear you. Did they make a TV show about that? Oh, like Friday, Friday Night Lights? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm just fucking with you. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but then, but then you talk about like places like Tuscaloosa and like in the South, like. College football is king, man. Those arenas are a hundred thousand deep. Whereas, like ASU, man, like you're playing Eastern Michigan, and you know, maybe, maybe a half of the stadium is filled. Three quarters, just empty seats wow. everywhere, and we're just always going to get a bad, a bad freaking rep because of the amount of transplants we have here in the valley. And people aren't really homegrown because exactly like you say, 
they're done with the heat by the time they graduate. So they're like, get me the hell out of here for at least a few years so I can have some cooler weather or see some snow for once. I don't know. But it's just the culture for college football isn't isn't here. You know what I mean? And it obviously comes with winning. Yeah. But it also comes with tradition. And ASU doesn't really have that tradition. The closest thing there ever was was that Jake Plummer team you know, in the late nineties and that has faded away very, very long ago. So it's tough to see. It's just, it's crazy to me because at one point in time, this program under, even under Herm Edwards and before him, the name escapes me. I should know this, but they, they were, they've been ranked in the top 25 typically to start the season based off their recruiting class and stuff. But even the like the basketball program, similar issues. They've they've made the tournament. They've somewhat decent teams, but never. And I know it's it's not it's a harder expectation to have to produce a championship in college when there's so many schools, so many teams you're competing against for when you're talking a national championship. But shit, even a Pac-12 championship would have been nice. But you just see, like like we pointed out, they've lost all the bowl games. It it's tough. It's tough. So a new a chance for a new start. Get get a new excited. Not a celebrity. Oh, you are chop choppity chop chop over oh, there. Oh god, my friend, this like you're my chopping up. Mister Roboto, tomo arigato, tomo. Unbelievable. I'll just go mad bum. Yeah, just go mad bum. You'll be fine. Hey, they're up five to one, man. Rambling. Are they? <laughs> maybe this is maybe this is the time to go mad bum. He's actually showing out. He's still on the mound right now, I think. It's the it's the good luck charm. It's about time. You better be be paying start paying us money back or something. Paying us <laughs> to go watch him pitch because exactly. Wow, he's pulling a pulling a Oh, shit. Sam Bradford right now struggled to get that out. Oh, Speak, speaking of Cardinals uh, players and former Cardinals players, did you guys see Andre Bacalia is was released? The wide yeah. receiver we were talking about on the Heat Check podcast. He was? Yeah. He caught a pass, though. I was going to point that out on the recap, but didn't have time. He did catch a pass, at least one, that I, that I heard on the radio during the call. So that but, must mean that Rondell Moore might be close to coming back then, or he is probably coming back this week. Ooh, that would be great. That could be. I think they because they had to open up a roster spot to sign a linebacker. I should have written some of this down or oh, okay. retained it, but either way, I think that's good. That's a good probability that they're they're trying to get Rondell Moore back in the mix. Either that, or I mean, what are the other options? We got AJ Green, Andy Isabella. Andy AJ Isabella is going to do something. <laughs> Maybe he's going to do something at some point. Don't even have Maybe. other guys in, so you have to force him on the field to make a play. My goodness, man! Boy, they. Oh my gosh! I can't believe it, dude. I cannot believe that this guy cannot get on the field. Is he that bad? Like, does he not know how to like run routes correctly? Like, what's the problem? 
I don't know. Maybe he's only good against third and four stringers in preseason. <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing. He had a decent preseason, and then he doesn't sniff the field. Greg Dorch is our best guy that we have out there. Crazy. Hey, man. I'll Crazy. take it, man. He's been a stud. Other thing uh, I did, I was listening back to the last heat check. And Cody, you don't have to put a bet on Trey Lance because he's already freaking out for the year. <laughs> he technically didn't even uh, make it yes. through week two. That's I know. I was talking to Chris about that on Sunday. Damn. Does that mean Damn. that it's a push then? Or do I win the bet? Broke Wait, what was the bet again? The bet, I think the bet was if Trey Lance played after week six, Cody would have to put a bet on him throwing for over 200 passing yards in the next game, no matter who it was against. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jimmy but, G came in and he, he did good. He did. Okay. Uh, well, well, they won, they won the game. They didn't look miserable. Like they did week one against the Bears. <laughs> so That's all it counts. That's what really counts. Well, since we're talking about the Cardinals, uh, I, we got a really exciting matchup coming up here going against the defending ch uh, champions, Los Angeles Rams, coming into town. Um, it's at home. It always seems like the past couple of years that the Rams have our number when they come here. Um, and we have theirs when we go there. It was kind of the same way for Seattle as well for a couple of years, I feel like. But Mike did join the show, and he had a question. What are the chances the Cards pull out a win this week? Cody, what do you think, man? I I like their chances. Um, I like – well, first of all, what really plays into what gives them a really good chance to win is the Rams quarterback likes to throw the ball to the other team every single game. I think he's got five interceptions already through the first Ooh. two weeks. Looked a little That's sketchy. Correct. The first game on Thursday, I mean, they got whooped by the Bills, but everyone's going to get whooped by the Bills. So um, what really got me, though, was how uh, how the Falcon, Falcons played them pretty tough last week. So I really like their chances. Uh, the Rams team is not the same team that made uh, Kyler Murray rage quit during the postseason last year. So, I mean, they're missing a lot of key guys um von miller obj so i i don't know i obviously rams are the rams you know the defense is going to be great but i feel like if we can keep up with them we definitely have a shot to win that game i like their chances chris how are you feeling man uh, I I have to agree. I think it's uh, not as much of a long shot as people think. And honestly, it doesn't seem like Las Vegas disagrees either. Only having the Rams at minus 3.5. So only a three and a half point favorite. Uh, that's a bet I'd probably take. Uh, be, it'd be tempting to to take the Cardinals on that. In in Arizona, both teams are one and one. Co Cody, you make a good point. It's not the not the same team. I mean, of course, the Cardinals aren't the same team either, but if we can ride that momentum, carry that momentum from the second half of last week's game and not just come out as front runners, but actually make an impact in the first half or have it be a close game in the first half. I'm talking a one touchdown, one field goal, a deficit uh, or obstacle to overcome at the worst. 
And if we're in that kind of position, then we we've shown we can show up late and win these games. It's all about putting the game plan together. What I think what the best part is, is that of course, all these teams are going to make adjustments throughout the year. And I'm sure the game plan isn't the exact same every week, but they can go back and see what the chargers did. Well, they can see what the Falcons did well and try and replicate that. I know obviously that's, that goes without saying, but to, to like you said, the the former champions kind of having a chink in their armor early. I think there, you know, there's pen, t- potential that we we can find a way to exploit that now in week three with the right uh, with the right tools. Man, we were just we were just talking there. Uh, what's going to be the big biggest like X factor? Or who? What player this week do you think needs to either have a have a better game or just have a big game in general? For me, I'm looking for Hollywood Brown to have a big game. He's going to have a tough matchup going up against Jalen Ramsey, but he did have some good catches uh, last week. He had that nice one-handed grab right at the goal line that they ended up calling down at the one. He did have a tough uh, drop. I guess I don't know if you can even really consider it a drop because it was in his hands and then he got slammed. But that's, those are ones that you got to have, right? You got to control it, bring it in as, as quick as you can, especially on fourth downs. So I'm looking to see what Hollywood Brown does this week because we know Kyler Murray likes his tight ends. Uh, Zach Ertz led the team last week, I think, with eight catches, 75 yards. So he's going to have his looks, but we need that other guy to come in and really have a big game, and I'm hoping it's Hollywood. Because then you can cement yourself as a, I mean, right now, if you can have a big game against Jalen Ramsey, you know, I'm all gravy for the time that DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And, you know, once those number one corners start blanketing him, Hollywood's going to have free reign all over the field. And that's when we can start seeing some of those really deep balls going his way, and which I'll be excited for. But he's the guy I'm looking to, to see what kind of impact he has this week. That's that's a good one. I think it, we haven't seen him really show up or have that impact yet. So I, it's about time, man. We obviously can't rely on AJ Green to do it. Rondale Moore's been out. Uh, looks like I was just reading Andy Isabella is coming back this week. Uh, James Conner didn't practice on Wednesday. So I'm looking personally for uh, Eno Benjamin to have a big game. Also, Daryl Williams more specifically. If they can get the run game going, that'll give Kyler more options to do some play action, uh, option runs, stuff like that. The run game can really get an offense going. But with James Conner out, if he is if he is out, I don't think it's been officially announced yet. But that could be that could be a tough challenge for us with now our best running back and best receiver both sidelined. But Tallman, what about you? Uh, of the guys we haven't named and maybe not named Kyler Murray, putting you in a tough spot. Who do you think? At least oh, have no. a big game, maybe on the defensive side. You're, you're good. Well, here, I'll give you two because I'll give you one on both sides. Um, so I'm going to cheat on the first one. I'm going to take the entire offensive line. Why? Because the only person I'm afraid of on that Rams defense is Aaron Donald. So if you guys remember when we beat them last year and we whooped them at home, well, I think we beat them like, what was it, like 31 to 20 or something? I don't know if that's a whooping, but. Um, all you got to do is make him a non-factor in the game. And I think we can win it. So last time that they did that exact same thing. And what we got to do is we got to run the ball right at him. 
You know why? Because we got to gas him. If we get him gas and he's not on his game and he's not creating pressure on Kyler Murray, then we have a really strong chance to win that game. So it's going to be a huge task for that offensive line. And if they have a good game, I think we win that game. So the defense, it's going to be, it's going to be Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. I'm going to cheat again. I picked two. I picked five, and then I picked two. But it's going to be those safeties because, like I said earlier, Matthew Stafford likes to hand the ball over to the other team. He's already got five picks. We need to capitalize on those turnovers. We saw what that turnover did at the right time last week. It won us the game. So I think we need to get at least two turnovers. We need to capitalize on those turnovers. And we are, let me take that back, at least two interceptions on Stafford. And then we need to capitalize on that with points. And then we're going to win that game. But ultimately, I think it's going to be offensive line play, which is not a very sexy thing because no one really pays attention to them. But it's going to be a huge factor in uh, stopping that Rams rush attack. Another big key factor into this game is the Cardinals in their past six games going back to October 28th of last year are 0 and 6 at home. So it's, we're almost coming up on a calendar year wow. since the last time we've won at home. The last game that we did win was October 24th. Uh we won 31 to 5 against Houston. And then we started that skid with the Green Bay game where AJ Green didn't turn around um on the the run play <laughs> on that Thursday night game against uh, Green Bay, but Got to get some juice in the building. Got to get some momentum going early this season and get a win at home, especially after an incredible come-from-behind win on the road. So you don't want to come back in the next week and fall flat on your face in front of your home. So I'm ready to go this week. I think it's going to be a great matchup. This could be one of those early tests where the winner of this game, you could see, might be the team that ends up winning this division. So... I know it's super early this year, but this is going to be a key one, especially since we were talking, what were those first three games going to look like? It was mm-hmm. going to be tough sledding. If you go 0-3, you know, what What was it? Uh, if teams go 0-2, they have like an 11% chance to make the playoffs going back to t- 2003 or something like that. Some crazy stat. So we got... <laughs> We got lucky last week, but a win in front of our home will be incredible for this team. The confidence building, especially as we get guys back from injury. So I'll be ready to go this Sunday for sure. Yes, and Kyler Murray won't have to worry about getting punched in the face after the game. That's true. Well, oh, man. Unless he well, unless he... I'll, I'll be right there. I'll, I'll do the punching for us. Don't worry. Unless he jumps in the kidding. stadium. <laughs> Or well, a fan jumps on the field, or like a piece a piece of the <laughs> stadium like falls down, like it was in Washington, and fell almost fell on Jalen Hurts. Last yeah. year. Oh, that was crazy. That sucks. I wanted to piggyback off of Tallman's point there about uh, gassing the Rams and really running Aaron Donald down. If you look at the Cardinal, and also while we're throwing out stats, what I was going to say is when you look at the Cardinals last week against the Raiders, what they did well is run a lot of plays. In fact, they ran 78 plays against the Raiders in that game and 63 63 plays against the Chiefs. So if we can replicate that or find somewhere in the middle, maybe 70, high 60s, 
that's more plays than the Rams have had ran against them this season. So far, 58 plays against them versus the Bills and 56 versus the Falcons. So they've even lost. They even lost against the Bills. Like Tallman said, they had they Falcons put up a fight. So maybe keep up that high pace run a, a hurry up offense get them on the line we do have these younger players i mean kyler's young the receivers are young but of course you know those aren't the guys you're worried about you're more worried about the offensive linemen those big boys up front holding the defense but that could be the key to success in this game in my opinion well boys final prediction uh are we one and two or two and one after this week I think we're going to flip it this year. We'll beat them at home and then we'll lose in Los Angeles. So I'm taking this one as a W this week. Got too much momentum after that big win in Los An- or in Las Vegas. So we got to keep that train on the tracks moving forward for sure. He's on the train. I'm with Mike. Um, I'm saying we're going to be two and one. Um, please pray that we're two and one because that game's going to be part of Tallman ticket and we went oh and five last week <laughs> humiliating <laughs> um outcome. so let's pray that we at least go one and five this week um so so what is that what is that two for ten Tallman? two for ten yeah we're doing very very bad um i know i the whole time when we do those we say that we're gonna lose a bunch of money but in all reality we don't really want to lose a bunch of money but it I think I think I kind of got what I asked for, so maybe I need to tone that back a little bit. It's a it's a fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I mean, well, it's for, not easier to lose for entertainment purposes, of course. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, we know you're trying to do it for entertainment purposes, but I mean, don't bet too high on those if you're going to do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Maybe just do the five five dollar parlays on those one. On those. Oh, ones. it's it's never more than ten bucks. Oh, okay. Well, well, I think we're only going to do a four-legger this time. I think five is just a little too risky. Not that frisky. It's going to keep what? getting You're shorter until you're just doing straight bets. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. It's yeah. it's supposed <laughs> to be risky yeah, and frisky. That's the appeal of the Tallman take. Yeah, but I think I was ticket. being too risky, <laughs> and it was way too risky. So we're going to tone down the risk well, and the frisk for week three. And the frisk. Dude. Well, your problem right away was betting on Jameis Winston to do anything, bro. That guy is a bum. It was three and three at halftime. Come on. I was like, it's still Tom Brady, man. And then then they pissed Tom Brady off. And then Tom Brady made him pay. You know, you don't piss the goat off. So, what did you say? Grandpa got mad? Or is that drama? I I, I don't know. Someone said that. That was good, though. I, I think that was when uh, Mike Evans took uh, what I was Marshawn Lattimore, took him out. Oh, yeah, threw him across the field. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy play. You don't see many brawls like that in football as much. Everyone all-time loves a good sports fa- fight, though. All-time favorite football brawl. Do you got it? Ooh, I really did like the uh, Andre Johnson Cortland. Yeah, again, is that the right answer? I think it's yeah, Cortland. I was gonna say Cortland Sutton, but he's on the Broncos. No, uh, Finnegan. Yeah, Broncos, yeah. all time because he laid some haymakers on him too, like a couple of uppercuts, like just perfect shots, man. He Absolute took it personally. Whatever they, whatever they said, it was. 
I guess that was, was the second it. time that yeah. uh, that Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore have gotten into it over the past couple of years, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, was like, on I the, think it was. Jameis was on the Bucks the first time, right? Are you serious? Has Jameis been in the league that long? Yeah, man. Yeah, he was. What was he threw like thirty interceptions with Bruce Arians. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do remember that. He he, like broke a record or something, right? He had as many touchdowns as interceptions, something like that. Wild. Ba is getting in trouble on the sideline. <laughs> Did you see that though? No, what was no, that? Was it recently? No, he's telling him to go in and fight him. Or yeah, something? well, because he was um, he was egging everyone on on the sideline during that fight, and then uh, they <laughs> the NFL the NFL released some or sent some letter to the team saying, "Hey, you got to make sure Bruce Arians isn't involved in the sideline like that." I thought he, he was, was supposed to be on the bo- in the box, anyways. Well, nowadays, so he, I thought he wasn't even supposed to be on the sidelines. Well, Todd Bowles, he uh, talking about it. Todd Bowles said that the Saints didn't provide them um, a seat in a box, and then the the Saints released a a comment saying that they did offer them a place to sit, but they elected to go on the sideline. So it was just all whatever. Know. Yeah, who's lying? Exactly, but. Good old Bruce. Well, if they're so now, I'm wondering if Tom Brady's grandpa, what is Bruce Arians' great grandpa? Anyway, I wasn't ready. For not that. worth it. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I think that's I think that's all we have tonight. We had a little bit of a later start tonight, but wanted to get a live stream out there because we are trying to be consistent for you all. Anyone who is watching with us now or listening back on the playback. We really appreciate it because if you're hearing this, it means you stayed till the end or you fast forwarded just to hear the end, which is kind of weird. I don't know why you would do that, but if you did, I appreciate it. Fuck it. So we will be back again next week. As always, we got the October episode heat check podcast coming at you in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll let you know when that's out. You can follow us on all of our social medias by Google and Valley Sports Plug. Valley Sports Plug, excuse me. And really, if you can't find us, you're not trying. At az underscore vsp for Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Valley Sports Plug on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we're gonna roll this beautiful video that Michael Benjamin has prepared for us, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Mike, how do I play the beautiful video? Oh, my goodness.